Hello, George. Hello, Charlie. <laughs> and uh, welcome, everyone, to a special episode of Archers and Tea. Um, if you've not listened to Archers and Tea before, it was a podcast that George and I started back in the original, the first lockdown, the first incarnation of what we're all going through now. So normally George and I would meet up to discuss The Archers, our very favourite rural radio drama. (laughs) (laughs) But due to the lockdown, we were unable to. So we decided to start recording our conversations and then playing them out to all of you guys so that you could join in. And maybe it might help you if you were feeling a little bit isolated and stuff like that. And we did that for a long time, 20 episodes. It was great fun. But there's been a second lockdown. We can't deny it. So we thought, what a perfect time to reignite a bit of Archers and Tea. Absolutely. I think, you know, second lockdown, a couple of interesting storylines that I was desperate to talk about with somebody. And that person had to be you, Charlie. So, uh, yeah, why not let everyone else listen in in to our little witterings? Well, and it has been amazing. These last few um, months have been incredible. uh, I've got a little clang I've been able to speak to um, one of the directors of The Archers, uh, Marina Calderoni, and we had a chat about it. I, I literally, I was melting, George. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm the least important person that you've chatted about. The about Archers The Archers. <laughs> Absolutely. You have been bumped down the list of were you, one. What, were you, what, what did you discuss? Well, um, we were discussing the fact that they had to do the archery visited mm. and then they went to four episodes a week. Um, and she said it's been really difficult for them because a lot of people don't maybe understand what it took to have to make the archers, you know, and the fact that it's it's the turnaround, she said. So they obviously went to where the characters were monologuing or at least only having dialogue between two. Yeah. Well, I hope you backed it, you know, I hope you sort of, because I, I, I think we both appreciated those episodes for what they were and uh, and it was remarkable they were able to put them on in such difficult circumstances. So I hope you put that point across because I know there's a bit of, um, yes, I don't think they went down tremendously well with the whole Archers listening community. No, I think you're right. And I did. I definitely made that clear to her because... I thought it was impressive that they managed to keep it going. I also thought it was really exciting for it to be sort of diversified in the manner of the storytelling was was diversified. And um, and she said it's because when you do, when you record that much material, she said it was the turnaround that was the problem, not necessarily the recording. It's that actually to edit, you know, five episodes and an omnibus together of material was just too much and it would never get done in time um, with all the lockdown restrictions and social distancing restrictions. So that's why they went to four episodes. And I think that's brilliant because at least it's meant that it keeps going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been it's been really interesting kind of listening. I, I mean, I think I I, um, I sent you a text and I when I sent I sent an email, I think, to you and to our our um, silent friend. That's silent friend. Um, uh, when at the moment, the f- first moment of there being kind of dialogue back in uh, back in there, and then there was kind mm. of a, a scene with three people in there, and it sort of gradually built up. You almost didn't really notice it coming back in, and then suddenly it was kind of back to back to normal. Mm. And it very much is now, isn't it? Oh yeah, totally. It feels like. It. I mean, we. I think we. We are we are we not? Am I am I right in thinking we're not necessarily hearing from some of the older characters who might be kind of shielding a little bit longer is that is that am I right in that I would say that was fair we did manage to hear from Jill didn't we in the summer um yes a little bit because Ben and Jill went on a walk and found the treasure oh, yes no you're right yeah you're right but other than that you're right we haven't heard from Peggy and it's it's definitely not as frequent yeah and not that they were on it in it all the time anyway but I think that that's um you know there's plenty of other Ambridge characters to keep up the uh keep up the uh, drama and, and intrigue, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> which, uh, which we've had over the last few weeks. Yeah, and you know, George, uh, Marina has listened to our podcast and she has <gasps> sent it to some of the cast. No, and yeah, yeah, I know, I nearly died. Oh, and no. she said uh, <laughs> that we're proper geeks. <laughs> <laughs> I will take that. I will take that. Absolutely, I'm a proud geek. I'm a proud geek I in many facets too. of my life. 
um and my archers <laughs> listing i'll absolutely take that <laughs> yeah to be fair george you and i could never try and deny with any sense of dignity that we are geeks in a lot of areas of our lives you're absolutely right yeah we've discussed it when we were at school when we were both at our schools we were we were geeks and we've carried on that through 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 our lives up until now um geek so yes. and proud absolutely <laughs> So let's begin with a lovely little recap or a chat about The Archers in the last few months. Um, as we left it, I believe, in the last episode that you and I made, it was that week. It was still slightly in the monologue area and it was with Harrison and uh, Fallon and the scratch card stuff and also the baby stuff. The scratch card stuff. I mean, the scratch card. Oh, I mean, that was... And that storyline just carried on, didn't it? I mean, I must admit, by the because that only got resolved a few weeks ago. Because what happened? Jazzer ended up with it. He found it. I couldn't quite track its movements from how it quite got into Jazzer's jeans pocket. Um, but he seemed to have picked it up maybe on a night out. No, do you know what I think? It was the photo shoot for the naughty milkman. <gasps> oh, because he borrowed the trousers. No, he borrowed the what? trousers or a waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> something he oh, borrowed the trousers or a waistcoat or something oh, oh i'm well, what i'm thick oh very good well done i did mm. not spot that at all oh that's very good yeah and uh and, but but you know jazza came through and he did give it to johnny and johnny's offered him what, 10 pints i think of shires or something i can't remember how many pints but yeah but it's amazing to think that that's um yes that we were discussing that in our last episode and uh, only recently got resolved it certainly did. Poor Jazza not getting his um, bike leathers. Yes, <laughs> the image of him in his bike leathers and all of that photo, the photo shoot with the uh, naughty milkman <laughs> stuff was very amusing. Um, and not only that, but then um, oh, for goodness sake, who's the who's the who's the vet? <laughs> Jacob. 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 <laughs> Imagining Jacob trying to dress up and uh, and be the naughty milkman and they i can't remember the direction they were giving him but it was something like give us your you know your your sexy eyes or your come to bed eyes <laughs> and he was just not quite managing it um i thought that was a really beautiful picture yeah and it's one of those moments we we occasionally have don't we in the archers where we do just wish just for a moment it wasn't just audio because yeah. to see these comedy pictures of jacob trying to smolder but instead really just giving sort of an evil glare <laughs> I've got a great image in my mind, at least. Yes, absolutely. Um, it would probably be better in our minds than it would ever be in real life. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's that so is, true. That's fantastic. And and now and, and they did go with Jazza, didn't they? So now Jazza is is he now the naughty milkman? Is that right? I believe so he is. Used, yeah. In my mind, he's up on billboard. You know, I'm sure there aren't ever billboards in Ambridge, but like there's massive billboards with Jazza sort of looking sexy with a pint of milk. Oh, but he said with a pint. Um, Instead. Which is a regular um, pint. Oh, he's got both. Yeah, because he's, he's also pint, the pint. actual milkman. He's the actual milkman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then that led to him and um, Johnny going out drinking. And Johnny has now had a night with somebody that Jazza was after. So not only has Jazza lost his scratch card, but he lost a lady. Yeah. Absolutely. What was her name? Uh, yeah. Jade? Uh, Jade, you're, oh, you're so much better than I am with the names. Yes, absolutely, it was Jade. <laughs> yeah, Jade. Yes, I know, that was great, wasn't it? And, uh, and yeah, just there was that particular scene where you, you could, there's that, ah, that lovely thing with Arch listing where they they let us in on it way before the characters realise. <laughs> so mm. just like at least five lines before you're like, oh, Jazza, oh, unfortunately, Johnny's definitely gone home with Jade <laughs> and he doesn't oh, realise. Um, so, yeah, that was quite amusing. Um, it certainly was. We then had there was you know there was a Fallon realizing that about about having a baby and whether whether mm. she wanted a baby because I think we did listen in didn't we when they looked after was it um, was it Harrison's brothers was it their niece was it was it Harrison's yeah. niece um, who was I, th I don't know six years old or something and and we listened to it and, and it was quite interesting because we knew that they'd had discussions about whether to have a baby before and. Were they going to, you know, fall in love with the idea and suddenly, suddenly think, ah, this is perfect? Because they did seem to really enjoy it. But then, actually, mm. um, weeks later, we we heard Fallon discussing it, and actually, she came to realisation that 
no, she didn't want to mm. try and have a baby. And was distraught at the idea of telling Harrison that. Yeah, and then they went on this, they were going to go on a holiday. They were driving down and then they ended up turning the car back around. Yeah. It was, it was quite sad, wasn't it? Because I think it was a sort of thing that they'd not really addressed. You know, they'd not really spoken about it openly. They just sort of both assumed that it would be addressed at some point. And, and then, and then mm. yeah, the, the, the time that Fallon eventually um, addressed it was, was in the car <laughs> on the way somewhere. So, yes, stopped the car, turned around and, and, and went back again. But uh, I, think, I, think it was, I think the way that Harrison dealt with it was, was really nice in the end. Yeah, well, you can tell that he clearly loves Fallon very much. And he said, you know, I'd rather be with you than not be with you, but be a dad. And he was very supportive and, and of course, respected sort of her choice. But I think it'll be interesting. I don't feel that that storyline is completely resolved yet. Mm. Um, Potentially, well, Harrison just needs, will be having to come to terms with it, won't he? Well, yeah, because I think he didn't, you know, he didn't deny that he does you know or did have a, an idea in his mind of having a child at some point you know biological child mm. and and yes and now that's been taken away I think he, I don't think he denied that it would take him a little bit of time just to get used to that but like you say he said that it was worth it in order to be with the person he loves so yeah um you're, maybe you're right maybe that's not the last we will see of that of that storyline itself mm. and then what else have you been enjoying in this time um oh what have we had well, Linda's had some great stuff while we've while we've been oh, away, hasn't she? Yeah. I mean, going going back to kind of the idea of relationships. Her relationship with Robert, we had quite an interesting, uh, interesting um, <laughs> uh, storyline there. Um, do you want to remind us of what uh, <laughs> what happened with Linda and Robert? <laughs> well, it, I thought it was really it was a very sensitive subject, and I think it's. A, I'm really glad they actually decided to tackle it. So. You know, Linda had had an extremely traumatic accident um, with this explosion at Grey Gables. Is that right? Grey Gables, yeah. Mm, yeah. And um, she was very badly injured, close to death. She clearly has a lot of burns and a lot of problems now with her body as a result. But we also know that Linda is a a fighter, for want of a slightly less sort of charged term. She She... She likes to be doing things. She she likes to be independent. And so she was finding the dependency on Robert and other people very difficult. She also said, we'd also noticed that she was having a bit of trouble with Robert earlier on, wasn't she, with um, him being a little smothering? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And there were things like he was bringing her bed downstairs because he was worried about mm. her getting upstairs. And and uh, yes, she, yes, like you say, that's that's not Linda. Linda wanted to try and get back to normal. Um, but it was taking her longer to do that than, than she'd hoped. Mm. And Robert didn't seem to quite... Robert just didn't know what to do. <laughs> no. And I think it was re- it really culminated in something which I can imagine a lot of us could relate to, actually, which is, of course, sex. Mm. And the way that sex has a power and holds a sort of significance more than the act itself sometimes, in that sex is about self-expression, it's an expression of love... Often, I imagine, not to be judgmental or immature about it, but for older people, that might be quite an interesting topic because if your body isn't doing what it all used to do, then you're having new challenges that you have to overcome. And of course, for Linda, she's got serious challenges that have come, not because of her age, but because of this accident. And then it's to do with relationships and it's to do with your partner and it is so complicated and so nuanced and delicate and of course there was a problem because Linda was trying hoping to feel more like herself yeah and one of those ways was to feel that her husband was attracted to her and desired her but of course Mm. she's trying to balance that with her body and how she feels and then of course Robert is trying to do this very same thing because he doesn't want to put any pressure on her for her to do anything before she's ready. Literally and metaphorically, I think. Um, yeah. He, yeah, he was, you know, he was very worried about her, how delicate she was now. And, and that, that, that had never been the case before. And, and we heard his discussion um, with Lillian about, yes, he, 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 just, he was just worried about her. Um, yes, like you say, both. He just want to hurt her. 
Yeah, precisely. Um, and 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 we heard both sides of this, and and yes, Linda trying to feel womanly and and sexy for her husband, and feeling like that wasn't really possible, and going out and trying on wigs in order to try and mm. find a wig that might make her feel more like herself. Mm. And Lillian was helping her with that, wasn't she? Yeah, she was trying them on over Zoom, wasn't she? And sort of trying to work mm. out which one was the best one. Um, and it sounded like there were some quite out there ones. <laughs> by the sounds <laughs> of it. But I think she then did kind of land on one that was a bit more like, you know, nat- natural, her natural hair. But then, am I right in thinking, in the end, she just decided that it wasn't quite right to wear the wig? I think she sort of dropped yes. the idea of the wig in the end. I think the conclusion is she has dropped the idea of the wig and mm. um, gone, I can embrace the way I look now. Um, mm. But of course, getting Lillian involved was interesting because Lillian was great. Yes, she's not, a, she's not afraid to talk about sex. <laughs> she, no, she she's will not. Subject. Do you know what I thought to myself at that time? I remember thinking this, gosh, I'd like to be a bit more like Lillian again. You know, I think... If we, we know you'd like to be more like Lillian. I want to be more like Lillian. <laughs> Long term <laughs> listeners will know that that's, uh, yeah. I just want yeah, to be your... Lillian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I just thought, brilliant, she's just talking about it. Oh, darling. And she's just talking about it. She's like, come on, let's mm. not be silly. And, um, and she speaks to Robin and she's like, you know, get your act together, mate. And then she suggests something that occasionally Justin. Uh, uses which is a little bit of uh, medical assistance chemical assistance in the bedroom because Robert of course is now feeling the pressure to perform himself and knows that his desire of Linda is really important and he doesn't want to fail which I imagine is a big deal for men at all ages but especially at his own age and then especially considering your wife is not very well and um and so he he agrees, and then it's all leading up to this evening where it's all you know gonna happen. But we hear later this sobbing from Linda mm. because she has noticed that he's using this chemical assistance and has taken it. Her perception of that and the meaning she's taken from that action is that oh Robert must not be attracted to me anymore. He must not want me, and so he's having to use a a pill to make it happen because it doesn't happen naturally and so it really affected her self-esteem and then there was a real blowout with Lillian where Lillian just gave her a good talking to and it was the talking to she needed really it was a real you know that you've got a man that loves you and is willing to do anything for you and just doesn't you know wants to be able to yes but help you in, in 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 the ways that you need to be helped and uh mm. and yes that sort of seemed to get through but it, it I, I think because because then after that was, was that before or after they were having a bit of a i think it was it was it was that after the point where they were she was worried about being mollycoddled by robert and and mm. actually it um it transpired that what they really needed was a gardening competition um, in order for him to be completely ruthless uh, and beat her in the gardening competition, um, which is exactly what she wanted, because um, you know, she she kind of imagined that he was just going to kind of like, oh yes, no, don't worry, you know, you're too delicate. I'll let you, I'll let you, um, uh, let you win because you know you're very frail now, and you know, wouldn't it be great for you to win? Um, but actually, mm-hmm. no, he 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 did what he wanted to do, and he won. Um, and actually, that was exactly what uh, Linda needed and uh, needed yeah. to be treated normally. Oh, yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It did happen after that all occurred after the uh, the Viagra incident, basically. Was it? Yes, because I think that's sort of what finally got them back on track. You know, it's almost I think that I don't know. I think there was a little a comment that, you know, after the win, they'd been a, they'd had a nice evening or something, I, I think. Um, yeah. Well, they yeah. had a they after the the telling off from Lillian, which to be fair, you know, we know that Linda does has been through a lot, and you know she needs she does need looking after. But it was nice for her to be reminded that actually Robert's doing everything he can, and so absolutely Lillian kind of just helped her to see things from another perspective. And then I think things got a little easier between them. But you're right; I think the real sort of metaphorical culmination and and literal yeah. culmination of that was the um, Flower and Produce show, the sort of virtual one, where there was a garden competition and they decided 
to compete against each other. And and he won, didn't he? She came. She didn't win. He did. Well, yes, they split up the split up the uh, split up the garden in half. You know, drew a line in the uh, in the sand, so to speak. <laughs> and um, and yes, even with a rather odd and modern looking bird table <laughs> um, that was plonked. <laughs> Plonked on Robert's side, he managed to uh, to get victory. And actually, the judges commented on that. I think, and they said, you know, actually, this, uh, you know, it stood out and it really set the whole thing off. So uh, I know because Linda tried to palm it off on him, hadn't she? Yeah, she was do- she was using her tactics, and actually, it had worked out well for for Robert. I was so pleased for him, and absolutely, yeah. as you say, for Linda, that is just great. Because I am his equal, because we are fighting each other and he's not holding back, I feel more like myself mm. and I feel like, well, I feel like Robert's equal. And so I think I, it sounds like that did indeed spark a little bit more of their old selves. Indeed. And I thought that mm. another, another aspect of uh, Linda's recovery over the last few months, I think, is that almost the one person she has been able to open up to is, and I think you called it, Freddie. Uh, you mm. talked before about the fact that we are going to see over the coming months and years that Freddie and Linda have now got this bond. Because as, you, as, mm. as regular listeners will remember, Freddie was the one that pulled Linda out of the explosion. And yeah. there was a really lovely, it was, it was more recently, um, it must have been on bonfire night, but um, mm. or no, I think it, was, it wasn't even bonfire night, was it? It was around bonfire night, but um, mm. there were fireworks going off and Freddie was with Linda and uh, they both, uh, he sort of had a bit of a, a jump, um, mm. but Linda also had a bit of a jump because of the sound of an explosion. Um, mm. They both now relate that to, to what happened at Grey Gables and, um, and they, they both sort of admitted that to one another. Yeah, I thought that was really profound actually and sort of reminded us all that just because it was a few months ago and just because you know Linda's injuries are on their way to full recovery and that they're both alive it doesn't mean that there aren't um lasting impacts Mm. of what's happened there isn't a lasting impact to what happened and and actually they might live with something like that for a while and that's okay but it's it's real and 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 yeah I didn't even think about it you know fireworks going off and Mm. actually having you know causing Linda and, and Freddie to feel a bit scared and it's yeah. nice that they have each other, isn't it, to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 now um, working as a team over the uh, the Christmas show, <laughs> which I, I mean, the Christmas show every every year is is fantastic storyline, and 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 now Linda is passing it on to Freddie, um, but not without just lending a gentle hand uh, where required. <laughs> Her performance on Radio Bolshevik was Oscar worthy. <laughs> Wasn't it wonderful? Her frail, her, oh, oh, suddenly her frail voice. It was wonderful. <laughs> she just guilt tripped the whole, guilt tripped the whole of Ambridge into signing up, and now Freddie has too many people to the point where I listened to the episode yesterday, where um, Eddie is furious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because he just expected to have something to do and then Linda's like well you've got to give him something to do because actually he's the wrangler he wrangles all the others yeah absolutely I loved it absolutely loved it um we've also had the because both of us were wondering what would happen with the Philip Kirsty explosion human uh slavery modern day slavery storyline which feels almost too bizarre to talk about sometimes um, because of the explosion and then and then there was lockdown so we didn't quite get the conclusion on that because Philip and Kirsty were meant to get married and so all of that's changed up now and they've been having to look after the the men during lockdown who they still call horses and Gavin was overheard talking about the horses on the phone by Susan and Susan has put two and two together and got six and um, <laughs> found that found, decided he must be a gambling addict and of course, now Gavin and Philip are going along with this story that Gavin is a gambling addict. I mean, it's it was the the the, type, the conversation where Kirsty overheard Gav and Philip arguing, and then kind of confronted them, and you know, I know what's going on, I know what's happening, and uh, and there was a wonderful, 
one again, one of those wonderful moments where we knew what was going on, but they didn't have a clue. Mm. And I and I did wonder whether Philip was going to confess what was happening. Yes. In that moment. Mm. I thought he was about to drop himself in it. I really mm. remember this because I was, I was on a platform for a train and I was thinking, oh, and the train was coming and I was like, no, 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 I need to be able to hear all this so I had to pause <laughs> it and then wait till I sat back down so I could listen to it properly because I thought, oh my gosh, because Kirsty thinks that it's gambling but Philip doesn't know that so Philip's about to say, yes, I'm a terrible uh, slave owner but he didn't. He managed to work it out quickly enough and he's forced Gavin to talk to Alistair and he's forced... He try, almost forced Gavin to go to uh, Gambling Anonymous with Kirsty. Obviously, this is a really serious topic and there are some really serious things being discussed. But at the same time, it feels like a farce. <laughs> yes. You know, it like, feels like a silly comedy. <laughs> in one door, out the other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That kind of, yeah, overheard, snippets of overheard conversations have been misinterpreted. Yeah, it's a little Shakespearean comedy-esque, isn't it? Yeah. I am... Um, <laughs> I found the the conversation he had with Alistair I found very interesting because mm. either he's a very good actor or, as in Gav, not the, the actor who plays Gav, the actor who plays Gav is a very good actor anyway, but mm. Gav himself, <laughs> I, when I was listening to it, I was listening to two different conversations. I was listening to Alistair talking about the gambling and I was talking, listening to Gav talking about how he was struggling with life and he wanted to make a change and he knew that he'd mm. gone down a bad path. And it sounded to me like he was having a real conversation, but about mm. the work that he's been doing with his dad and the horses. And mm. it, it sounded like he, he was he was actually full of regret and re- recognising the fact that he did need to make a change. I don't know whether that, you know, I don't know whether he was just putting on an act, but it sounded like he was having a real conversation about, about the way that his life has gone, just not about the way that Alistair thought it, <laughs> thinks it's gone. Absolutely. And I'm with you. I totally agree that I mm. think... I think that was a real, genuine, honest conversation from Gavin. It's just Gavin and Alistair were on two different pages. But Mm. it felt very authentic, didn't it? And actually, he's really considering what he's doing and whether he wants to continue and whether he needs to constantly impress his father or not. And I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Philip. Philip has proposed that Kirsty and he move to Wales. Mm. Kirsty is on board currently. So he wants to leave everything to Gavin to be in charge of. I want to know whether that, even just the mention of that, will cause Gavin to react and say, no, I, can't, I don't want to take it all on. I don't want to be you. Mm. Is Philip going to even get Kirsty all the way to Wales before he's caught out? Or is he going to be caught out before she leaves? In which case, she ends up living in a house with Helen and the boys because they've sold it to Helen. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's one of those really interesting. It's an interesting point, isn't it, as to what what's going to happen? Yes, are they? Uh, is he going to escape? I, I can't quite see them letting him off the hook that easily, but we'll we'll see. I know. I feel like we're building towards an excellent comeuppance, mm. um, and potentially it will be indeed Shakespearean in that it will be Gavin, the son, that betrays the king. <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah mm. i found um one other little thing before i think you know we we, we i think we've got two big storylines um from mm. recent weeks that we're, we're working towards but before we get onto those i just wanted to talk about elizabeth's dating life oh. which has been excellent um yes and, and that has provided some other comedic moments um because there's this there's this fantastic kind of uh, oh, I can't, there's a clever word for this i can't can't quite work out what it is, but a reversal of the relationship between children and mother. Normally, it's a kind of a, <laughs> yeah. the, the parents that look upon the child that's going out and dating people and, and being a little bit disapproving. Um, whereas now, it's her twin children, um, Freddie and Lily, that are. Have, she's keeping it secret. Firstly, she was keeping it secret. She was doing these um, online dates, and she she got into the idea of it. And actually, she's begun to really enjoy it. And she's been chatting to chatting to lots of men that she's met online and and been having these online dates and keeping it secret from Freddie and Lily, I think partly because she knew how they would react. Um, and they sort of slowly managed to cotton on. But it was almost the last thing that they imagine, could imagine. The last thing they could imagine was that their mother was out dating. <laughs> I um, know. And then they, like, they, there was that brilliant scene where she turns up late having had a night out with, of, of all people, Vince Casey, a little bit... Um, three sheets to the wind <laughs> yes talking to her children who are telling her off and saying do you need a coffee you should go to bed <laughs> yes yeah absolutely total <laughs> reversal you're absolutely right 
and I did, there was there were a particular moment I remember, I was, I, I, again, I remember exactly where I was, I was in the kitchen and uh, listened to it and she was talking about, you know, we, after, after they found out that it was Vince Casey and they'd made a bit of a, bit of a fuss about it, she said, well, maybe it'd be good for you to get to know Vince Casey, you know, maybe we could <sighs> sit down and have a chat um, and they were kind of reluctant, they were like, well, well, when are you going to do this? When, 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 when is he going to come round? And I almost said with Elizabeth, well, it should be here in five minutes because <laughs> she'd yeah. invited him round already. <laughs> um, she's wily, that one. She's wily. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, I'm glad she's, Big you know, it's, it's, it, you know, she seems to be having a lot of fun. I can't, I must admit, I, I find it slightly hard, whether she's romantically interested or not, I find it slightly hard to believe that she and Vince Casey would be mates down the pub i don't i don't know i don't know whether that's that's me being um i don't, I don't i'm interested to know what their common values are and what, what i'm what with you on that about. one i don't yeah. see i don't see a great romance ahead but potentially potentially just something that elizabeth needs well yes and maybe actually <laughs> in a continuation of that reversal of relationships because her children disapprove actually she's gonna you know she'll give it a bit of a go actually <laughs> um, yeah. a teenage daughter-esque <laughs> yeah well indeed yeah 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 that'll be really interesting actually well, I, I think don't I don't I definitely think as well because David won't like it and loads of people won't mm. like the fact that she's hanging out with Vince Casey so she might end up being the, the rebellious Elizabeth that we heard so much about actually you know mm. that she was a bit more rebellious when they were young and he and he I I do think Vince Casey has picked her out you know he's there was a there's a moment wasn't there where he kind of realized oh so your sister oh elizabeth and she owns ah interesting and mm. yes there was a whether that was because he'd seen her around town and thought she was a fine thing or whether he thought <laughs> sorry that was a bit I don't know what that, that was, was. hysterical. Fine thing. <laughs> I, I, I thought I'd be able to keep going, and you'd kind of I'd brush that. I know, no, no, absolutely, you're um, not getting away with that. You fine thing. Well, it's either fine thing or hot cotty. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> 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 um. So yeah. Um, yeah. I I lost my well, whether he's in it, are you saying you're wondering whether he's in it with a slightly ulterior well, motive? That's that's exactly what I was saying. Um, and far be it from me to to judge Vince Casey, but he's not always shown the best character in the past. So uh, no, yeah, he's definitely I, he's definitely the new Matt Crawford, isn't he? I mean, he's oh, definitely God, yeah. the sort of dodgy one. Oh, they got on well, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. They would. They would have. Yeah. Well, now let's move on. So we've been talking about the twins and um, there's all the young people in Amrith we've heard a lot from. We've heard a lot from Ben recently, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the performance yes. from from the actor who plays Ben. Um, ben. <laughs> but also, <laughs> I think his name is Ben, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also Rory. So really, really interestingly, we've noticed that Ben has been um, going after all the ladies uh, but at the same time, a little bit jealous of his friend Rory and Rory's relationship with this other guy from school, I think, um, yes. because it's Rory's 18th coming up. And then there's this they want to go to a comedy event and Ben doesn't get to come. And he get he starts to get jealous of, of Rory's friendship with this other boy whose name whose name has escaped me now. Oh, um, I want to say it's something like Tarquin, but I don't think it is. <laughs> Troy. Troy. Is it Troy? Troy. It yeah. feels like it's Troy. I want to go yeah. with Troy. I think it might be Troy. There's this sort of there's, there's that little moment, isn't there, where they're oh, what are they do because it's, it's all coming coming around Roy's birthday, his 18th birthday, mm-hmm. and they've been sent out to look for these plates, and they and 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 yeah, Freddie sort of conf- confronts him about it and says, "Oh come on, we've been mates for longer than longer than than you have with Troy. Like, how come you've invited him?" Mm. Um. And you, and again, you can sort of, you can sort of hear it come, but, but he, Rory reveals in a kind of a, in a kind of a, a nicely not dramatic way. Yeah. If that makes sense. And yeah. that actually Troy is an ex. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm still not, yeah, not quite sure why he's taking his ex to the, uh, to the show anyway, but you know, uh, they're obviously mm-hmm. some friends. Um, but yes, it was quite, it was quite a, it was revealed in a, a way that wouldn't it wouldn't have been revealed 20 years ago for example like it was totally um, yeah i think and i think that the younger generation now are becoming more and more aware of um sexuality and the kind of the 
fluidity of sexuality and, and you know mm. no black and white and all that sort of stuff and 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 I think that reflected it quite nicely in a way yeah I agree I think that it was a really bold but clever move by the writers and producers directors and stuff because actually if they'd made a huge deal of it that mm. isn't isn't right these days <laughs> you know that young people wouldn't listen and think young people might listen and think well that's not reflective of real life anymore you don't know you're out of touch but of course the way it actually happened and, and transpired it felt really natural and also it was almost a comment from the archers it's not a big deal mm. it's really not a big deal and we're going to say it's not a big deal by not making it a big deal and he's bisexual isn't he it's not it's not gay because ben got excited oh great you can just go after the boys and leave all the girls to me and he said well actually no i i like girls too and again it was just matter of fact mm. And I liked that a lot. I think there was that really nice moment, wasn't there, where um, where he says, well, I think Adam did a lot of the legwork. Um, yeah. And he went, you know, we heard that. We heard that. We're in some of the, the Archers Revisited episodes and the difficulty mm. that Brian went through with the wedding and wasn't even going to go to the wedding for Adam. And actually, yeah, Rory's right. Adam went through a load of the legwork and actually normalised um, that you know, non-heteronormative, non-heteronormativity. Um, yeah. Which I think is has made things a lot easier for Rory. I mean, he's not he's not kind of told his family yet, but I think that, that will come and, and it, hopefully one feels it will be a less dramatic thing than it was for Adam. Yeah, and I hope that is the way it is for lots of people mm. these days. But what was interesting, of course, was he was talking about his mum and he sort of said, well, you know, and Ben was like, oh, your mum won't care or your mum would be proud of you. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, she was actually, I think she was a Catholic and, and I don't know her, you know, I don't, not, he's not got to know her over his teenage years. And he wonders, oh, you know, what would my mum have thought? Which must be really, really difficult because you know you're never, well, you think you'll never get the answer to that. Yeah. Um, but, of course, that then led us on to something really tricky, but also beautiful, which was that for Rory's 18th, a parcel arrived from his auntie that was actually a CD recorded by Siobhan before, obviously before she died, um, or after she died. That would be a different kind of storyline. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, a CD she recorded um, when Rory was young um, for his 18th specifically for his birthday and so it's arrived now and Brian characteristically reacts um in a very mature and adult way <laughs> of course yes <laughs> he just flies off the handle loses his mind worries a lot about Jennifer which I did sort of sympathize with but of course Jennifer total hero wasn't she brilliant and and, and it's yes I mean the, the, she's just she she you know she's Rory's mother she's his stepmother and, and she's the person mm. that's raised him she loves him and and yes I think there's a lack of understanding from Brian there about you know that actually Jennifer could look beyond the fact that it's Siobhan um mm. but obviously he's you know probably still filled you know he's got you know guilt um mm. about about what happened all those years ago still um mm. and uh yes yeah, so he flies off Hannah but you're right Jennifer re re reacts in a in a wonderful way. I think she finds it difficult. She does. But as we hear her discuss with Alice, but I think that she she loves Rory and you know more than enough to uh, to get past that. Totally. And in the end, he asks Jennifer to sit with him while he listens to the tape, which I thought was beautifully moving because clearly from Rory there's no problem there with Jennifer he loves Jennifer and he loves his mum and the two things can exist at the same time and he appreciates Jennifer's support and she even though that must have been difficult for her you know mm. she was she put Rory first and then in the recording Siobhan says don't know maybe you have a girlfriend or maybe a boyfriend and doesn't make a thing of it either in that moment but it's just yeah. enough for Rory to know that 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 kind of thing wouldn't have bothered Siobhan. And that's, that was so lovely. What a gift. I mean, I was, I was driving home, um, home from work and I was in floods of tears driving oh. along, listening to that, 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 I mean, it was just beautiful and beautifully performed. I mean, we talk, 
Mm. We talked when they were doing when they were doing the monologue episodes about how difficult it can be to perform a monologue and um, and, and do that convincingly and you know when you know not to kind of lift the veil and take away the magic but standing in front of a microphone performing that monologue and actually I thought the performance by and I don't know the name of the actress who plays Siobhan but um, it was wonderfully beautiful and uh, mm. it's beautifully well performed and yes uh, a really really lovely moment and like you say exactly what Rory needed at that moment yeah and I actually thought the performance from Rory was, yes. the actor who plays Rory was perfect as well the sort of I really related to that sort of the tears and the laughter at the same time. Yeah. And the tears were not tears of, of only despair. I'm sure there was despair and sadness in those tears, but there was also just tears of sort of relief and tears of joy and mm. just tears of because of it was momentous and being able to laugh at things she said. I mean, it was it was beautifully performed by all the um the actors involved yeah. and Jennifer too and and the the idea of it must be really freaky, I imagine, if you hear a tape or read a letter written by somebody mm. who's no longer with us and and describing looking out the window and seeing you and uh, oh, at four yeah. years old or whatever it was and unbeknownst to you and and then the is it a dinosaur t shirt he's got on or yeah it, it's and the cake that she's baked and that and that that cake his birth eighteenth birthday cake but he's never going to know it's Oh. Yes, that knowledge that she wasn't going to be around, and uh, yeah, it was all it was all fantastic. And I, and I thought that you know when Jennifer reflected on it when she was talking to Alice the day after, you know, mm. you know Alice was amazed that she'd sat down and listened to it with Rory. But actually, Jennifer said that you know, she was able to reflect that actually, as much as she hated Siobhan at the time, and she was well within her rights to do that. Um, I think possibly more in her rights to hate Brian, um, but. Mm. Um, she was reflected in that, you know, at that time she was she was a mother and she was a normal person and probably hadn't ever been able to make that link and and and, and imagine Siobhan being that normal person and that mother. And it was only through the mm. recording that she probably was able to reflect on, you know, the times that she'd had with her children. And yes, I thought it was yeah. yes, it was all very well done. I thought she felt her privilege, didn't she, to be there during Rory's life and she realised how lucky, yeah. you know, not realised, but got to reflect upon how lucky mm. she was. And, and it and was what, beautifully done. Yeah. And what Siobhan had missed out on, unfortunately. I wonder if, and this is just like, you know, again, lifting the veil a bit, but I wonder if the, if this was a plan, you know, last year or whether because of the Archers Revisited and the fact that we revisited some of the episodes to do with Brian and Siobhan and Jennifer 18 years or so ago, Mm. whether they went oh guys do you know what we should do for Rory's 18th we should bring Siobhan back and we should do this and we should actually slightly round off the storyline for Jennifer and and Rory and Brian and Siobhan I don't know whether they had that in mind already or whether that sort of came to them after they'd reignited that storyline with all the the listeners in the last year yes that's really interesting actually because we because we reflected didn't we upon listening to Siobhan at the ball she was at the the, the ball mm. wasn't she where mm. she was just the scent you know everybody could not take her eye, their eyes off her because she was just this magnetic presence within the room and you, mm. you sort of you sort of realized why brian had become so infatuated with her and and why that relationship had been sparked in the way it had been because you know you heard you know everyone was looking at uh, looking at her um so yes, we got to know Sean. You know, for those of us that weren't listening back then, um, mm. were able to get an idea of her as a character, and mm. and then yes, getting this little insight was uh, yeah, I think also it was wonderful. Added a lot to the experience, didn't it? Definitely. And yeah. actually, we also in March revisited got to hear about when Alice and Chris had recently got married. And yes. we'd also heard an old episode where they'd just been to the festival together and got together. Mm. Um, and so that brings us to the probably the biggest thing that's going on right now in the Archers. Yeah, well, th- well this is something that has been building for years now. Years. Mm. And I think we've both mentioned the part. You, you've had conversations with your sister, I think, about it. Mm. And I think I've had conversations with my dad about Alice's drinking. Um, mm. And there have been moments. Right, there was a moment we talked before about her 
she was climbed a tree and fell out of the tree at some party, yes. I think. Um, there was the time at... Nick's Wake. Yeah, where she, she had too much to drink. Yeah, she'd had too much to drink and she'd been a, a bit inappropriate. And then there was the, the beginning of lockdown or at least... Um, well, amidst this year, she was she left her job. She she jumped before she was pushed. We and then and then it was just interesting, wasn't it? Because they decided to stop drinking, and then actually Chris had a little. Uh, he got what is it on the wagon or off the wagon? He he had a beer with Ed and felt very guilty about it and ended up you know apologising profusely to Alice about that. But we know that Alice had already um been secretly drinking and then and then interestingly so she'd been secretly drinking she was drinking at work yeah ed grundy had witnessed this and had recognized and i remember you and i texting at this point because we had learned through the storylines the revisited storylines we actually did a bit of a recap and learned that ed himself had had substance abuse issues um at one point between him you know when he wasn't with Emma anymore and stuff like that. And he'd needed a lot of help. So he actually recognised in Alice um, a problem and thought, right, I'm going to be there for her. I'm going to watch her. I'm going to I'm going to let her know she's got somebody to talk to. Mm. So he approaches her when she's been drinking, I believe. I can't remember if she'd been drinking at that point. But she takes it as, um, as, as Ed hitting on her. Yes. Yes. And then... Kind of a vaguely comic thing where she thinks that, and she she talks to Chris. Does she talk to Chris? But no, she 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 confronts Ed basically and says, you know, mm. this is not true. And then I can't. There, there's the the moment where she really let loose, where she had had a lot to drink at work, and she really had a go at Ed. And I can't remember was that was that after she'd messed up the rotors and or mm. or she'd given Ed the wrong ah, that's what it was. She'd given Ed the wrong instructions about where to put the grain. He put the grain mm. in in that where, wherever, and it, it all got mixed up, and therefore was basically worthless. Mm. They Brian had then had a complete go at Ed, and and essentially fired him, um, mm. you know, from doing any more freelance work for them. Despite the fact he only just got back to to working for them after Adam had found out about the um, the legal dealings he'd been doing oh, previously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and but but Ed had said, well. Alice told me to. Alice, that's exactly what Alice told me to do. And Alice did not mm. admit that. So Ed went mm. in to have a go and Alice presumably feeling guilty um, and then had a complete go at Ed. And he was, yeah, he was just, he was aghast at what, at how she'd reacted and, and then knew definitely that she was, clearly had a problem. Spoke mm. to Emma about it and then Emma then confronted Alice about it or went to no went to try and speak to Chris that's right yeah but uh, but Alice refused to not be present for the conversation and so then there ended up being this huge argument where Emma accused um Alice of being an alcoholic obviously Alice vehemently denies it Chris is very angry mm. Emma and Chris fall out really badly and I was really like, where is this going to go because Alice is like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then we, we hadn't heard much about her drinking. But then she goes for a run, and these runs are actually when she goes for a drink. She Because um, she hadn't picked up Fallon's message about Fallon not being able to meet up with her. She'd drunk on her own. She'd passed out. She'd been found by Gavin. She was taken to the hospital, where she finds out that she is pregnant. Yeah. So it's just so much. It's snowballing. Absolutely. And and would that point have been a good moment for her to admit that actually, um, you know, uh, you know, I I did pass out in the ditch, and actually that's because I was drunk. That might have been a good moment, but obviously it was a difficult thing to admit, and she did not. And she said, "Oh, and actually, it was dehydration. Um, yeah. That's why I passed out." Um, and doesn't tell Chris but immediately knows that if she's pregnant now, she's been pregnant for how long she's been pregnant, and she has definitely been drinking while she's been pregnant, and almost mm. immediately starts to panic about the impact that that might have on the baby. Well, there was a really interesting thing, wasn't there? She finds out she's pregnant, and she goes to see Lillian, 
And, you know, Lillian being a, a woman of an older generation goes, oh, you know what? Occasionally a little, a little tipple is fine. But of course, that's all an alcoholic would need, isn't it? To justify yeah. them drinking. So she says, great, a little tipple is fine. And she starts to drink again. And then it's a scene with the midwife or the nurse who explains that it's uh, it's really bad for the baby if you drink and actually the advice these days is not to drink anything at all which really spooks Alice um side note I believe the woman who plays that nurse or the midwife um is an actor an actor who's in doctors who plays a nurse um, oh really who I got to work with once yeah I recognized her voice and she's really cool um but then uh so back to the storyline so then Alice is knows that she absolutely shouldn't be drinking and she's feeling guilty and she's trying to be healthy and and I thought, oh, has maybe she managed it? Which I was in my own thinking, that's not very realistic. I think if someone has a genuine addiction to alcohol, I really don't believe that they'd be able to turn it off straight away. Is that the story they're telling us? Because that doesn't feel very um, responsible of the archers. But of course, what they, the story they were giving us was the story that Alice was giving everyone, which was, yeah. I've stopped drinking and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And of course, what we actually find out, because Alice experiences some bleeding, Um, she does finally admit that she's been drinking and not just a little bit but a lot and even since she found out she was pregnant yeah just brief uh, there was a brief moment in that in that episode I think before the bleeding I think which was when I think Chris had woken up in the middle of the night and Alice wasn't there and and Alice said oh I went to go outside to go look at the stars and at that moment you thought ah oh right no 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 she's the shed she she is still she's still drinking Yeah. yeah and has a huge panic and and yes comes clean to chris and chris i think i think i think that you know many people who have never encountered alcoholism don't understand it and mm. chris is is no different he just doesn't yeah. quite understand. you know well you're pregnant you know you're pregnant why and at first he says oh, you know at least you stopped drinking when you found out you're pregnant and i says no i didn't and and he just can't quite comprehend that because you know you know that you're pregnant. You know it will damage it could da- could damage our baby if you carry on drinking. You're still doing it. I don't understand why you're still doing it. Yeah. And is is really angry with her. I think. Yeah, really angry. He doesn't understand at all because it's the difference between someone who likes to drink and an addict. And an addict mm. addiction, I believe, by many people, is described as a disease. It's oh, not yeah. something you're choosing. Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 he sort of, and then he's kind of weighing it up. And he's like, "Well, I drink, I drink as much as you, and I I drink out, and you you carried me home." But mm. he doesn't need to drink. He has not got that disease. And mm. um, there was so this all culminated in a an episode that was, you know, in much the same way <sighs> as the Helen and Rob culmination of that climax of that storyline. Yeah. It was just Chris and Alice. We had an episode that was just Chris and Alice. Yes, you're and right. I think it was, wasn't it? I think I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that's why it felt so intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of with with um, him eventually sort of ringing up to get an appointment at the doctor's because you know Chris realizes that that's what she needs. You know, she needs medical help, but the the first appointment isn't available until the following morning. So they've got to get through the next day, and and Alice says, "Well, that's okay. I won't, I won't drink." And then it gets a little bit harder, and she suddenly realizes that actually does need to drink, and she recognizes the only way she's not going to be able to drink is if Chris locks her in the bathroom. Yeah, it was an incredible thing, wasn't it? Because they were, you heard Chris and you felt it. We were Chris. Well there's no alcohol in the house i'll go out to the shops well i'll take the car mm. keys i'll take a cab i'll yeah. i'll take your phone i'll walk and yeah. she she was she was just clearly explaining that there was nothing that mm. would stop her going to get alcohol mm. and yeah. you really started to see chris understand oh no it's really not like when i fancy a bit of chocolate but i think i probably shouldn't have some yeah it's not the same yeah absolutely and you know, it only only in the bathroom is there a lock, you know, a door that could be locked, and no window that she can climb out of, because otherwise that is what she would do. Um, and she knows it, which is at least something. If she's saying that, I think that's, you know, a massive deal. Is if she's actually admitting all of that. Yeah, but then you know, 
and and she does you know she says don't let me out whatever i say mm-hmm. and because she knows what she's going to be like when it gets bad and actually we i mean i this was an episode that i was listening to on the way to work and i arrived at work with about halfway through the episode and i thought well i'm not getting out of the car i'm going to finish listening <laughs> to this episode because it is way too intense <sighs> and um yeah it was it was a really tough listen it um, really was the pain that Alice was going through the pain that Chris was going through listening to the pain that Alice was going through was hugely intense yeah it really was and um it sprung to my mind when she said she was going to the bathroom I thought mouthwash did you um, did you th- oh yeah yeah because I, I think because I've had experience of not myself but um you know family member with alcoholism and um and I don't know if I could ever say it was as bad as that episode but I know about the bargaining and I know about the the way that you, that somebody will convince you that I just want one I just need one mm. and I just know that you know you can't even have lucky or chocolates in the house or you mustn't you mustn't have um mouthwash with alcohol in and or a Christmas pudding with brandy in you know because it's there's a there was a man once explained to me who was a recovering alcoholic it's a it's a caged tiger and the tiger is in this cage and it's pacing and it is pacing and it is only actually getting more upset so Mm. as soon as you give it a drink and open the door it will come out with 10 times more force so even a little bit is dangerous and she she does she drinks the mouthwash then she doesn't feel well at all. Then she starts to hallucinate. But I, I didn't know it was a thing. Well, I, I, I absolutely thought, because she had this moment, didn't she, of mm. weeping and saying the baby. And Chris came, eventually unlocked the door, came in, and she looked in the bathtub. And I absolutely thought that she had had some horrible premature delivery or miscarriage mm. or, or something. And, mm. and then Chris said, there's nothing there. And she'd been hallucinating. It was, ah, oh, it was really painful to listen to. Really painful. And actually, he did have to give her a little whiskey. And mm. I know that, I knew, I know again from a talk we had at school, um, and I hope this is true, and I'll try and do some fact-checking, and we'll provide some information as well on the pages of this uh, podcast, but that the withdrawal from alcohol is one of the most difficult experiences. And in fact, it the withdrawal itself from alcohol can actually kill you um, mm. because of the what happens to the body. And so mm. whilst I get it, you know, Chris saying you've got to have absolutely nothing and even Alice herself saying I shouldn't have anything. But it probably was in that moment the right decision for her to have just a little bit um, of alcohol, even though that must feel for, you know, person in Chris's position, like the most... He, he just felt so guilty. I provided yeah. her that little bit of alcohol. I actually allowed her to have it, even when she's pregnant. And uh, what he doesn't understand is that withdrawal from alcohol is, is extremely serious, extremely dangerous, and you do actually have to take it slow. And, yeah. of course, that's ended in after this um, doctor's appointment. You know, she has to go to a residential place. She has to yeah. go for some rehab. Yeah, Because absolutely. it's really serious. Well, and also, and, and, and I think that, uh, you know, where we go from now is that Alice is, is obviously going to be in the residential place. She's not going to be around and people are going to realise that she's not around. And do they explain why she's not around? You know, does Chris talk to Emma? You know, all of these things that are going to now, are these conversations going to happen and, 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 and how are they going to happen is going to be really interesting to see over the, over the coming weeks. It is. And I know that I imagine, you know, I imagine my own reaction would be, well, let's not tell anyone anything. Let's keep it to ourselves. It's private. Mm. But I think, gosh, imagine if they just told everyone the truth, how the community, I mean, I'm sure some people will be judgmental and not helpful at all. But actually, the community could help because I have an alcoholic friend and not many people know. And that person has to constantly find ways to turn down Oh, do you want a drink? You want a pint? You want a wine? Mm. You sure you don't want anything? You sure you don't want anything a bit stronger? Here's yeah. some chocolates, and these chocolates have alcohol in them, but they they've not even thought of that. And that person has mm. to be so vigilant all the time, and they are doing an incredible job, um, massively down to the help of Alcoholics Anonymous as well. But in a way, if everybody knew, everybody could adjust and assist. Mm. 
but of course I imagine that in a small community in any community there's there'll be a lot of judgment on a mother who's drinking while pregnant without much understanding of the the addiction I just suppose I don't, I don't know well we are we are both uh, big fans of the West Wing aren't we and, uh, we are. and I've just been re rewatching. I mean, because it's just gone on to E4, so I've been rewatching a little bit. And just this morning, I was finishing one of the episodes where Leo McGarry, in the first season, where he is sort of um, outed as an alcoholic and a recovering mm. alcoholic. And, he, and there's, a, there's a great scene where he explains it and says, I don't just want a drink, I want, you know, annihilation. I, you know, that, that, that's what mm. an alcoholic, you know, like you say, it's that, tiger, that idea of a tiger. Um, you know, he wants ten drinks. He doesn't want just the one. And once he has one, then it will. And yeah, there is how... no such thing as just one. Yeah, and and how you and and the the way that yes, and and I think that the reason I said that was yes, the judgment the judgment of like you say the community a community like Ambridge or an entire country like the USA. And I know that's a fictional version, but you do feel that it would be similar. Um, mm. And 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 the way that alcohol is such an embedded part of society and how we work mm. as a society and you know all our all big moments in life whether it's a wedding or a or christmas or you know you you cheers and you you have a toast and you you, you drink a glass mm. of fizzy mm. wine or and and, yeah. and 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 you're right you're right that when you say no to that or turn that down um it's never just oh that's fine it's normally Oh, what's wrong? Why? What? What? Why aren't you? Oh, you're Are you pregnant? pregnant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the first thing that people assume, isn't it? And... Yeah, yeah. God, because um... I've cut down drinking a lot recently and mm. it is so bizarre to try and explain it to people when when I'm not pregnant and I'm not on antibiotics and I'm just like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to cut down. I learned that it makes me quite sad. So I'm trying to cut down, but yeah. I don't actually have an addiction at all. I can't imagine what it's like for someone with an addiction, considering yeah. all the stigma that goes along with it. But this is what I thought was incredible about this storyline as well, is that I think there's another there's another idea that alcoholism affects uh, old men in pubs of yep. probably a lower income background. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a real sort of, um, what's that word, like a stereotype... Stigma and a, a stigma no. and a judgment yeah. oh well it's yeah it's 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 old blokes in pubs and stuff mm. and it's not young affluent middle class people that it happens to and i remember with the helen and rob storyline i didn't realize there was such a stigma around domestic abuse and that oh, that only happens to um working class people right there is a there is, yeah. i didn't realize this was even a thing but oh, that doesn't happen mm. to posh women and posh families and of course it does and it's the same with alcoholism alcoholism is not just for uh working class old men it can affect all of us any of us and there is shouldn't be any judgment or shame or stigma attached to it, to it anyway but i think it's quite useful to point out to people i know that you and i you know some of our friends you think mm, that relationship with alcohol doesn't feel right but there's a sort of arrogance and oh, it, it won't affect me, I'm fine. This is just, it's normal to have this min- amount of alcohol in a week because we all do it. And this storyline hopefully will point out to some people that, uh, that alcoholism doesn't discriminate. Yeah, and, 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 and one hopes that it, you know, in the same way that with the Robin Helen storyline, phone calls to domestic abuse uh, helplines I don't know what the factor factor was that they increased by, but increased massively mm. as people recognised Helen's storyline in their own lives. And mm. one hopes that people that are a little bit earlier along in Alice's storyline might recognise a bit of Alice in themselves and um, and seek help before it reaches the stage um, that she's reached uh, in her storyline. So, yes. Yeah. And the Archers are doing very well. They've provided a lot of information and mm. support on their website. So if yep. you are affected by this storyline, then and then do head to the Archers website. Absolutely. Well, that that was uh, fun, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we've I think we've covered the entirety of the Archers since we stopped. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, there's been. I think one of the things that I've I've slightly because we've because we've not done a weekly episode. 
one of the things mm. I enjoyed about doing weekly things is being able to pick up on the on the little things um, that happen mm. in average life, whether that's just a, a little comment that, that Susan's made in the in the village shop, or uh, um, you know how Leonard's getting on with a certain painting or something. Um, <laughs> so we've missed out a little on that, but I feel like we've we've, we've covered quite a lot of a uh, lot of the goings on. We have, and I've got to say, I've been really enjoying the arches, and it's been. Mm. It's something that's provided me a lot of joy and happiness throughout some quite challenging times in 2020. So mm. thank you, Archers, and all who sail in her. And um, hello to all our listeners, and we hope you've enjoyed this chat. Well, hello to all the actors from the Archers, because presumably yes! now they've had it passed on, they are avid listeners, and they've listened to the whole back catalogue, and will be mm. jumping on this episode as soon as it's released. I've no doubt. I'm sure they so are. hello to yeah, all of you. absolutely. Hello, cast of the Archers. It's, it's your friendly geek, uh, geek archer fans here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for listening, everybody. Um, we hope you are doing all right in this crazy year. Um, looking forward to something festive. Mm. A little bit of something festive. Whatever form that might take. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and wishing you all the best. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Charlie. It's been lovely to... Uh... Yeah, lovely to lovely to chat archers with you once again. Yeah, well, it was your suggestion, wasn't it? So thank you, George, and it's been great chatting to you. Thanks, everyone. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> we never say goodbye very well. <laughs> Hot <Hot-totty. laughs>